When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Wednesday edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show kicks off right now. Funny, Clay, yesterday I was talking to uh, Carrie, my wife. I think the audience all know that now. And uh, we joked around about how it would feel like a very different show if it were our first names instead of our middle names. The Richard Travis and James Sexton Hour Sounds like a couple guys on NPR talking about their favorite international music or something. You know what I mean? You know? Oh, I love these yeah, tunes actually, from Sweden. Those guys would know how to test, tell the difference between bottles of wine. Oh, they definitely would. They would not be making statements, Philistine, barbarous statements about how you can't tell the difference between fancy and non-fancy wine. Um, but anyway, so yes, we're, we are not doing the Richard Travis and James Sexton hour, although that would maybe one day we'll show up with uh, monocles and ascots and talk about, uh, Different things, and that will be uh, April Fool's. All right, so, yes, yes, the big news from last night, Nikki Haley loses, but not that badly, right? I mean, the the management of expectations here is interesting. Let's break this down, give you a sense of what some of the data tells us, because we want to take a forward look now. Here, Here's where we are. Donald Trump is barring, you know, Force majeure catastrophe, something that is unforeseeable at this moment. Donald Trump is going to be the nominee for the Republican Party. Um, that leaves open a very small window for something else, but it is a very, very small window. I mean, I, I think it's, it's likelier that China will invade Taiwan in the next year than it is that Donald Trump will not be the nominee for the Republican Party. That's how far I would go. So. Here's what we know. Nikki Haley Clay, she, uh, she loses to Donald Trump 11 points in the New Hampshire, uh, primary. So Donald Trump, Nikki Haley head to head. We'll also get into some of the Democrat stuff as well. Dean Phillips, people are, he's making more noise than a lot of folks thought he would, at least right now, uh, which is perhaps uh, something we should have expected. But here we go. This is, uh, first up, 
Nikki Haley last night. Let's give her 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 say. This is cut two, and she says the race is far from over. I want to congratulate Donald Trump on his victory tonight. He earned it, and I want to acknowledge that. Now, you've all heard the chatter among the political class. They're falling all over themselves saying this race is over. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. This race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go. And the next one is my sweet state of South Carolina. All right, you, you want to jump in now? Or, yeah. Because Trump, yeah. Trump trashed what she said. We'll get to that. Let's start with what she says, your reaction. It's over. And I, so Nikki Haley deserves credit for coming in second place. There is no pathway to her becoming the nominee. And let me just say this. If you disagree, 800-282-2882. Tell me and or tell Buck, because I think you agree with me, as you just said at the open, Trump is going to be the nominee. And I'm not talking about, oh, Trump has a major health condition or the Supreme Court out of nowhere suddenly says, oh, guess what? Trump can be kept off the ballots, right? I'm not talking about a highly implausible but very impactful scenario. We could also get hit by an asteroid and the election could not happen in 2024, right? There are all sorts of low probability, high impact events that are out there, but something that Nikki Haley can control herself. Beating Donald Trump, she does not have that in her arsenal. And in South Carolina in particular, it is going to be a massacre. Donald Trump is going to smoke Nikki Haley in South Carolina. I'm in Tennessee, Buck. Tennessee votes on March the 5th. Trump is going to beat Nikki Haley in my home state of Tennessee by 40 points. I don't see a state where Nikki Haley is going to beat Donald Trump. And if all that is true, which I think it is, and your goal is to beat Joe Biden, which I take Nikki Haley at her word it is, I don't understand her pathway here. And, Buck, this is the same argument we made on Wednesday as it pertained to Ron DeSantis. After Ron DeSantis lost in the state, he campaigned in hardest by 30 points. We said there is no pathway for Ron DeSantis to be the nominee. Nikki Haley's state was New Hampshire. She put all of her eggs in the New Hampshire basket. To her credit, she came within 11, but that was with very lenient abilities of people to vote in the New Hampshire primary. Republicans are rejecting her in all these states where Republicans are going to be more prominent. She's going to lose by more. There is no pathway to Nikki Haley becoming the nominee. Okay, so now we look at what is the calculation that she's making, uh, and, and will it extend to her taking this, not just to first step South Carolina, her home state, and then beyond to stay in as long as she can. Uh, on the, we can do a little pro and con here, right? On the pro side of things, uh, from Nick, from Nikki Haley's perspective, there's not like a governorship she has to get back to. You know, Ron DeSantis is like, yeah. all right, I'm out. I'm going to go back to being the governor of a 21 million person state. You know, I got things to do. 
uh, Nikki Haley, I, I mean, she was on the boards of companies and giving speeches, right? She was basically yes. getting ready to run for the presidency for the last few years. So that means that as long as she's in the public eye, you can make a case that it is brand enhancing for her, setting up the future for her. However, the con side of this, I think, one, going into your home state and getting just shellacked is a bad idea um, because it just looks like, really, you're you're going to you're going to lose in the state where you were the governor. And two. Um, I think that people are going to start to feel like she's draining resources from the general election fight on a vanity project, and the GOP base, which is solidly behind Trump, will not forgive or forget that. Look, I agree with everything you just said. I also think Nikki Haley deserves credit, and this is what we have said since all of these debates started. And I know this makes people upset. I actually think Nikki Haley would not be a bad bad vice presidential pick for Donald Trump. I understand people out there get upset and probably the emails are rolling in right it's now. At my Clay mentions. Travis on Twitter. That was Clay who was saying that. Clay and, Travis. And my, my mentions are going to get deluged. Here's the deal. All I care about is winning. Right? I'm not a, I'm not a purity guy. I'm not sitting around arguing. Like all I care about is winning. And Nikki Haley does do well with suburban women who are independent swing voters and the people that are persuadable. And I'm not sure, Buck, at this point in time, that you can point me to anyone that Trump would pick that would help him win the general election as a vice presidential candidate more than Nikki Haley, right? Let's consider. I like Elise Stefanik. I love the way she stood up to Harvard and MIT and Penn. I think she's pretty smart. I think she's a talented politician. I don't think she brings you anything new. I like Tim Scott. Uh, if you wanted to argue to me, oh, that he is going to help with the black vote, maybe I squint black men and can see that a little bit, but I don't think he really changes the dynamic very much. Trump is probably on path right now to overperform for a GOP candidate already. among young black men already. So yes. I'm not sure that and, it moves the needle anymore. And and by the way, I don't know that Tim Scott really does a good job against Kamala Harris. Where I, I think Elise Stefanik could let him let her have it. I think Nikki I, Haley can would I tell do you well though, there. Yeah, yeah. This is this. So this, but see, now we're talking about VP. We got to factor in. Well, what did Trump say in response to? I we played Haley's soundbite. She's like a big congratulations to Donald Trump. But this is not over. Trump is like. Well, you know what? Let's just hear it from Trump. This is cut four. Play it. She was up and I said, wow, she's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. This is not your typical victory speech, but let's not have somebody take a victory when she had a very bad night. She had a very bad night. And you uh, you have the very the now very unpopular governor of this state. This guy, he's got to be on something. I've never seen anybody with energy. He's like uh, hopscotch. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm watching this guy, and two weeks ago he said, we're going to win, we're going to win in the last side, we're going to win. About three days ago he started saying, well, we want to do well. That's a big difference. So I'll say this. Right now Nikki Haley is being treated by Trump and, and MAGA as the enemy in this election, so to speak, right? I mean, she is, she's the them, she's not, the, she's not yeah. with us. She could turn that around very quickly, I think, through a negotiation and yes. a discussion 
about Nikki Haley. Look, you you, you want a prediction? I, I think Clay, I, I don't disagree with his assessment that she may be helpful in some ways to the ticket, although there are some numbers. Well, actually, she might be helpful with those numbers. There are some troubling GOP numbers, though, from New Hampshire. Not troubling, like, oh, my gosh, but, you know, a little bit of a wrinkle in things for Trump. We can, we'll dive into that in a few minutes. But you look at Nikki Haley, Clay, and this is somebody who I think would would help with suburban voters. However, Nikki Haley as Secretary of State, she'd be perfectly happy doing that job. Maybe Rick Grinnell is happy being CIA director, and that's you, you start to see how now is the time. Because if I'm Nikki Haley, I sit down with with Donald Trump and say, "Look, you know, let's do this, and I'll save you tens of millions of spend, which he may not have to spend. To be clear, maybe he says, "I don't, I don't need you. I don't need that." But that would be the smartest play from my perspective for her, because going and getting blown out in South Carolina, I don't think she'll be VP Clay, but I do think there's a cabinet position if she steps da- if she steps down sooner than later. Yeah, Secretary of State would be good. And let me say this: I know a lot of the Trump people listen. I would suggest, first of all, Trump's right. They need to pivot to the general, and we're going to have a 250 day, whatever it is, general election between Trump and Biden. Although I still think Biden's going to uh, end up getting stepped down, forced out. But a lot what's one of the criticisms you hear of Trump? That he didn't make great selections. <laughs> there are a few that I've heard. One of the key criticisms you will hear from people who are trying to be fair, right? Not just he's Hitler, not just he's evil, is that he didn't hire the best people as a part of his first cabinet. Right? He admits he that. Have, he he, yeah. he has said that. Just so anyone who says no he did you know he didn't hire the best people. In some cases he hired good people. I think he's got some good advisors, uh, Stephen Miller in particular, who comes on this show regularly, I think would be phenomenal and will be really uh, helpful in putting together that staff. I would start to roll out the cabinet. To your point, Buck, when you say, hey, Nikki Haley, Secretary of State, Grinnell, maybe CIA, whatever you want to say, I would go ahead and put out your whole team. I would put together the best possible cabinet you could have, get your attorney general lined up, let everybody, the same way, what was the best thing Trump did in his last uh last campaign? Most effective, I would say. You ask these broad questions. There are so many things he did in the campaign. I, I, th- I think putting out his list of potential Supreme Court nominees in terms of what his administration would look like when he put out this you is mean the 2016, list of, not 2020. Yeah, yeah, 2016. Yeah. When yeah. he put out, so I say 2020, I meant 2016. You just said when the last election. Out, That's why I was like, whoa, okay, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, my bad. So when he put out in 2016 his list, these are the 20 people I would consider, I think it was 20, uh, for the Supreme Court. Everybody looked at him and said, damn, this is a really good list. And it took away a lot of the fear. I think if you put together an elite cabinet and went ahead behind the scenes and got everybody lined up and started to roll them out as a part of your general election, and you said, on day one, I'm going to take the oath of office, and we are going to be hitting the ground running. I think that would be really compelling because it would go to alleviate some of the concerns about who might surround Trump. I would advise them to start putting together their cabinet right now. And maybe Nikki Haley is a VP. Maybe Nikki Haley is Secretary of State. I think everybody gets in line pretty quickly, and I think Trump could have an incredible cabinet, but he needs to start working on it right now. That there would be my some, suggestion. There are some concerns uh, that have come from the day. Look, a win for Trump, a big win. Not as big as we thought it would be. I think we both said it's going to be in double digits. Oh, wait, it was just barely, right? Sorry. So it was Yeah, we said 11 20. Points. We, thought, okay. we thought around 20. I, I thought it would be more than we both, Yeah, we both thought it would be more than that. But it was still a big win. It was in, the double, it was in double digits. So, you know, it's um, a moment here where you can look at the data and start to – look forward in terms of what 
this tells us, and we will break down some of those numbers here coming up. Is there a problem with some Republican voters who are really going to stick to they won't vote for Trump in the general? This is what is coming out of some of the exit polling we shall discuss. Also, if you have any thoughts about Nikki Haley, if there is anyone who wants to make the case on the air, and we mean this, we'd love to, we're not going to interrupt you, we want to hear what you think um, about why Nikki Haley should stay in. I'm sure plenty of you think she should get out. If anyone wants to call in, put them at the front of the line, the front of the queue, guys, to make the case for why Haley should stay in, because I'm curious to hear it. I'm sure there are some people who feel passionately about it. Also, my friends, the Tunnel to Tower Foundation, it's incredible. Clay and I are honored to be partnered with this incredibly worthy organization that supports America's greatest heroes, U.S. service members and first responders who die or are severely injured in the line of duty and homeless veterans. These are heroes, and we owe them a debt of gratitude. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran Programs honor the sacrifices made for us by the men and women who risk their lives and bodies for our country and our communities. The Foundation's Never Forget Programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America with over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year and dozens of golf outings and barbecues. Clay and I have both attended these events. You know, Carrie has done the, uh, the Tunnel of the Towers climb in New York a few times. Clay's been to the golf outings. They're great fun for the people who gather together, and they raise money for an amazing cause. Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute also educates kids in kindergarten through 12th grade about America's darkest day while helping our nation to keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. One truth revealed after another. Clay, Travis, and Bucks. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. 
Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Sexton. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. A lot of people fired up about my Nikki Haley VP suggestion, but Chip from Charlotte, North Carolina, is a brilliant, brilliant man. Uh, Clay and Buck, I'm a Trump voter and I hope he wins. However, I feel the only way he can beat Biden, uh, is he must pick Nikki as VP. He must get the independents, dim moderates, and the suburban Republican women. There are a lot of women that do not like Trump's flamboyance and are still undecided. They would vote for Trump Haley knowing they could maybe get a woman president in four years. I fear our great USA will have an extremely difficult time handling another four years of the progressive Democrat destruction. I agree. I think that, that, that both Chip is both a scholar and a gentleman. I agree with everything he said in that, uh, in that email. I think that is the argument for putting Nikki Haley on the ticket is not what she's going to do to make the MAGA base happy, but what she's going to do to try to bring in new voters, which is how Trump wins. There's a little bit of a uh, little bit of an issue here. We saw in New Hampshire now, and I know that independents are voting, and Democrats can switch over if they do so in a certain time frame. And aside from that, I'm talking about registered Republican voters in large enough numbers. There's some exit polling now. I don't know if this is just sour grapes. Let's talk about this, but there's some exit polling that makes one think that Trump may have a little bit of a problem getting all of these Republicans to show up and vote for him in the general. Is that true? We're going to analyze, and we're going to talk to you about it. But this is an important, important aspect of this discussion that comes out of New Hampshire. Look, if you follow the value of the U.S. dollar, I really suggest you pay attention to what Tika Tawari has to say about it. Look, Tika's a former Wall Street insider. He's gone on to be a writer, an editor, and somebody who researches our nation's economy. He spends day and night thinking about the effects of global activities on the value of our dollar. Now, Tika Tawari has released a video he's recorded with his thoughts and research on this. It's free for you to learn and to see right now. Uh, spoiler alert, Tika's worried about what could happen to the U.S. dollar this year. I'm going to let him spell it out for the rest of you in a video. Go check it out. MoveYourCashNow.com is the website where you can see Tika Tawari's warning about the future of the U.S. dollar, and he'll give you three steps you need to take to prepare. That's MoveYourCashNow.com so you can learn how to prepare. MoveYourCashNow.com, paid for by Palm Beach Research Group. There's some stuff to take a look at here. Some things to, um, to understand are, are in play. Uh, first off, the this is from the Wall Street Journal when they were doing their post uh, New Hampshire analysis that the first task of any candidate is to unify the party. And then they pulled together that 21 percent of Republicans who cast ballots in New Hampshire said they are so I'm, I'm quoting here dissatisfied with Trump as the nominee 
that they will not vote for him in November. This is from AP VoteCast. It's a survey of of primary voters in New Hampshire. 15% of Republicans who participated in Iowa's caucuses last week said they wouldn't support Trump in the general election. So this is, this is telling us something here, Clay, because, or might be telling us something. For Trump to win the general by the numbers, he basically has to have over 90% of GOP voters to vote for him. That, that, that's the way the data breaks down. It's gotta be above 90. If it's like 87, he loses. It's over. Um, these numbers though, to me, I see this and I say, I have two thoughts. I want to know what, what yours are. My first, my thoughts on this are one, okay, you know, maybe the scorched earth MAGA thing sometimes needs to be a little. Now Trump has been doing this. It's really more some of the Trump surrogates, influencers who are like, DeSantis should be cast out of the party from forever. That's, that's idiotic now. DeSantis yeah. is out. That is a stupid position to take. And the people who are saying it are looking for rage clicks and rage attention and not looked for not, and they voted for not Trump in New Hampshire. Will you vote for Trump in the fall? I'm sure a lot of them go, I will never vote for Trump. But when they see old man Biden, you know, sputtering around or whoever takes over for him, I think they may change their minds. This is also why I, I agree with you. I think people will come back to Trump as the campaign progresses. This is also, though, why I would say roll out your cabinet. I think because I think there are a lot of people out there who would say, you know, I don't love Trump. I've got my issues with him, but I really like Nikki Haley. And if she's going to be VP or she's going to be secretary of state, I trust that she's going to do a good job there. Right. And I'm just tossing that out there or some like Ron DeSantis, I don't think would be in the cabinet. Right. Uh, but I do think you could go out and you could say, hey, I'm going to grab Tim Scott and he's going to be involved in some way in the cabinet. And I think you could grab Vivek Ramaswamy and say, hey, Vivek's going to be secretary of the treasury. And I'm just tossing these out there as options. Right. And so you could take a lot of these rivals that were running against Trump and you could put them in the cabinet. And a lot of the issues associated with not supporting Trump, I think, would be alleviated by who he puts in the cabinet. And I think he could put out his list of who he's going to potentially appoint to the Supreme Court if there are uh, issues associated with that. And then I think the other aspect of this that is going to become a bigger and bigger part of this discussion, Trump's only got four years. And so even if you don't like Trump, Buck, I wonder how much of the antipathy for Trump that exists out there would be lessened if people knew the reality, which is he's only really got two years to do things. And people out there can get fired up and they can, by the time, if you are an, uh, a lame duck and Trump or Biden, if either one of them wins, will be a lame duck. By the time you get to 2026, uh, sorry, yeah, 2026 is basically over, right? The midterms and then the election is starting for 2028. So I think that factors in. And then I think the other component here is, and I would just hammer this home, Trump should start the general election campaign now. And a lot of these, and I would tell, I don't know how much the conversation there is with the the crazy right-wingers on social media who are trying to constantly police who is a rhino and who's in good standing with MAGA and everything else. I think Trump needs to tell them that they're hurting more than they're helping because this is not a Republican campaign anymore. The goal of winning 
is, and this is why some of you are going to get fired up, but why I say Nikki Haley makes sense, is to convince <laughs> people, convince people who are not traditional Trump voters that they should be interested in Trump. And it's not about getting the diehard, uh, right wing, you know, build the wall immediately MAGA voter. It's about getting the 36 year old mom of three in, uh, Gwinnett County, in Georgia to decide that they want to Cobb County, Georgia, that they're willing to support Donald Trump. That's who you're actually after now. And I, I do think it's, it's something that we have to note because we are keeping an eye on this all the time. The polls in Iowa were pretty much spot on. The polls in New Hampshire, Nikki Haley out- overperformed or outperformed the polls. Yeah. By a pretty substantial margin. Now she still lost. So the polls weren't wrong in the sense that they were so off that you had a different outcome. But she did better than, I, I, I know, we'll take some of your calls here. We know that there are independents who can switch and vote for her. We know that there are Democrats. We, we, we can get into those details if you want, but neither Clay nor I are unaware of the specifics of New Hampshire. Nonetheless, I'm just saying Nikki Haley did better than the polls for New Hampshire thought she would do. So there can be some surprises in this. And this is a way of saying that while polls can give us a sense they are not ironclad, and so the Trump polls that show him ahead, you know, four points in uh, Michigan or eight points in Michigan and four in Georgia, whatever it is, those things can be a little off, and they can narrow very quickly. So I just think it's a reminder that Trump and the GOP have to really keep focus. There is no coasting that will get this done. Yeah, and and I think also, Buck, uh, the, the other thing to keep in mind is polls become difficult to read when you don't know what the turnout's going to be. That's typically when polls start to lose their ability to predict because if far more people show up and there were far more independents who showed up to vote for Nikki Haley, I think, than were anticipated because if it's just Republicans and Republican-leaning voters, Trump would have won by 30 or 40. So, again, Nikki Haley's only pathway, if she continues to run against Trump, is to get a lot of people who are non-traditional Republican primary voters to show up and vote for her And by the way, that's what Trump has to do in order to win the election. So to me, I would be on the phone with Nikki Haley behind the scenes right now if I were a part of the Trump team saying, okay, what do we do to get this thing put to bed, right? Trump is a negotiator. He can get angry publicly at Nikki Haley, but I think he respects when people have uh, a hand to play and how that would be played out. What I don't see, Buck, is I don't see how Nikki Haley benefits by running a scorched earth Trump campaign, which requires her to constantly say and attack Trump in a way that would be similar to Joe Biden. She has no chance of being the nominee. She can weaken Trump in the process, but I think she can cut her own legs out from underneath her as it pertains to going forward in 2028. That That's my big thing. Like, Nikki Haley's 52. She'll still only be 56 when... It comes around to the 2028 election. That's right in the wheelhouse of, I think, when your average person would like to say, oh, that's the right age of somebody I would like to elect to be president of the United States. Why would she cut her legs out from underneath her? It doesn't make, to me, a lot of sense why she would run a scorched earth campaign. And to me, she could help a lot in setting up the table for, uh, for Trump in 2024. Um, and even if Trump wins, She's right at the forefront again. So remember, 
uh, 800-282-2882. We will talk all about that in a uh, bit as we continue throughout the program. But in the meantime, what we witnessed in New Hampshire yesterday, great example of our freedoms, our ability to cast our votes along with our fellow citizens after hearing from all the candidates. Just imagine how many people around the world look on with envy uh, at that regard, that we can exercise our freedoms at polling sites after hearing people speak freely, offering their ideas and opinions. One college defends our freedoms with a tireless spirit. That's Hillsdale College, the same college that insists on students taking at least one full term learning about our Constitution. You can't graduate from Hillsdale without taking that course. Students will serve as a contrast to other young Americans who reject the idea of patriotism and consider our founding fathers just a bunch of racist white guys. Not at Hillsdale, where you'll learn the true history of this country and why we're so unique in the world. This year, Hillsdale is sharing their knowledge of the Constitution in radio commercials you'll hear within our programs and others. Constitution Minutes is what they're calling them, and you can hear them on demand at our website, clayandbuck4hillsdale.com. That's clayandbuck4hillsdale.com. 24 Clay and Buck's Weekly Campaign Cliff Notes. Episodes drop Sundays at noon Eastern on the free iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been a a left turn. 
Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Podcast. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us as we roll through the Wednesday edition of the program, reacting to what happened in the New Hampshire primary. A lot of you, not surprisingly, lined up and want to react to the opens of the show. And so I will begin to roll through with all of you. Avery in Columbus, Ohio, uh, you've got a idea for Trump on VP. Yes. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we got you. Yeah, so my thought is um, either, well, I don't, Nikki Haley is not very popular. Um, I noticed that she said that she needs to be a VP uh, pick, but Tucker Carlson was not having it the other day, and he said that he would uh, stage some type of revolution against Trump's administration. So I don't think that's a popular idea, but I do think either Tulsi, I, have, I haven't heard anything about Tulsi or Kerry. Uh, he'll probably get the, the, the female vote. Um, and maybe Tulsi, because she was a previous Democrat, they might um, get some independence. And yeah, we've heard. Th- yeah, thank you for the call. We've heard a lot of. I like Tulsi. We've had Tulsi on the show. Um, I. I don't, I don't, I don't think that she has the same kind of appeal to, again, I, I am, look, I will be honest with you. I am not a, I'm not a Democrat, so I can't claim to be a suburban, uh, mom, right? There are lots of men out there who are Democrats that can claim that they are men who are actually identifying as suburban moms. So I am channeling this in, uh, attempting to look at the data and project, right? I think the reason why Nikki Haley has appealed to suburban moms is the same reason, Buck, that Megyn Kelly dominates with suburban moms. I think there are, and they're different, right? Megyn Kelly and Nikki Haley are not, but they are smart, good-looking women with families that I think a lot of suburban women look at and say, I see myself in some way with them. And I'm talking about independence. Because every time I say this, tons of you blow me up and you're like, I live in the suburbs and I love Donald Trump. And I, I get it. If you're, again, a lot of people can't get past thinking what you are, right? You're already voting for Trump. Okay, that's great. You're in the camp. I'm talking about how you win. And the way you win is by persuading people that are not committed right now to a candidate. And if you look at the data, Buck, we talk about this a lot, but I think it's so important. Trump lost in 2020, not because of the black vote, not because of the Hispanic vote, not because of the Asian vote, because he lost white women in the suburbs. Go look at Philadelphia suburbs, Pittsburgh suburbs, Milwaukee suburbs, Atlanta suburbs, Phoenix suburbs, all of those ring areas, all those women out there that have kids, that are focused on getting them to and from school every day, they turned against Trump and they were willing to vote for Biden. How do you get them back? They like Nikki Haley. They like Megyn Kelly. They like smart women who look like them and don't seem particularly partisan. And by the way, abortion is a big part of this. Yeah, but is a is a female VP enough? If it's Trump who's at the top of the ticket, that's another part of this too. Even if, even if everything you're saying completely lines up, 
Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think by the numbers, it, you know, you're just, you're, you're accurate. I mean, it's correct. Do suburban women say, well, I don't like Trump, but I like this VP he's got. Again, it's the suburban women that you're speaking of, not the GOP base, which is the beating heart and soul of this audience, right? We're talking about the, I voted, you know, maybe, maybe even voted for like Obama once and now voted for Trump once or twice and thinking about how they're going to vote this time because they don't like Trump's icky tweets. How do you, well, those are gone. Right? Yeah. So only truth now, but how do you get that to, uh, to change? How do you get that to be, um, a decision point for them? I'm not sure it's quite as clear. Wait, we, we have, um, Amy in North Carolina. You didn't get to that one yet, right? No. Nope, Amy in North Carolina. Yeah. Oh, she, oh, sorry. She did drop. My bad. Uh, Clay, you pick next. Paul in Wisconsin. Yes, sir. You know, I think I want all the Trump supporters to reject the propaganda out there on Drudge and elsewhere about this 11 percent. Had the Democrat and independent saboteurs not showed up to vote for Nikki Haley, not because they like her, but because they want to skew the numbers because they hate Trump, he would have beat her ass by over 20 percent. And everyone knows that. So she stands there like the fraud she is and holds up that number. And, and even with all that going on, she still lost by 11%. She's a fraud. Candace Owens for vice president. Wait, why can't, can I ask you this? I mean, we, we both like Candace. Why Candace for vice president? Has she ever said she wanted to run? Oh, is he gone? What happened? We get that. Look, I like Candace. We've done Candace's yeah, show. Yeah. Candace has yeah. been on this show. If someone but, asked Candace, what about Buck for VP? I hope she'd say he's a nice guy. But like, is he running? I mean, is Candace interested in this? I, I've heard this before. I I think, given the fact that Trump is seventy seven years old and only has one term, his vice president, and we know Biden has already whiffed on this. I think Trump's vice president has to be capable of being president of the United States, and. Look, I've said that I like Tucker, and you can think that that's crazy. Uh, I think the number one attack on Tucker would be, well, he hasn't ever worked in government. Uh, you know, I think the number one attack on me or you would be, yeah, those guys haven't ever been in actual. Some people like that. But I think for a 77-year-old, I think you have to hire somebody as your VP that would be capable of being president of the United States. We know that Biden hasn't done that. And again, I do think... My general position, and, and I think it's true, is people don't decide who to vote for ba- based on the vice president, right? You yes. don't lose people based it, on your vice president. It might be a tiebreaker in Trump's favor at best, I think, if he were to go with that VP, but we'll see. You know, one thing I've been thinking about, because you brought up, you, you alluded to Biden didn't pick someone who was ready for prime time to be president as his VP. I just, I think about this because when we talk about the prosecutions of Trump and was it a huge blunder? Look at the situation they're in with the presidency where they've got a VP who should just be stepping up and be their candidate and they know they can't do it. Kamala was a huge blunder for them, right? So they are capable of massive miscalculation. Did you see the report that Obama was instrumental in Kamala being picked? And that Biden didn't think she was up to the job. That report we should talk is about out this. There. Sir. Yeah, we should talk sure. about that. All right, we'll get we'll dive into it. Stick around. Oh, and Julie Kelly next hour. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. A couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.